Welcome to your path to success with Ruth Kearns Volman. This podcast is all about inspiring, encouraging, and equipping you on your leadership journey through stories and examples from accomplished leaders. And today's episode is a wonderful example of that. In this interview with Dominique Barral, we talk about her leadership journey and specifically two subjects close to both of our hearts, finding and cultivating your leadership voice and how to be successful at both family and career. After a successful 30-year career at P&G, Dominique is a board member and consultant, but also now a published author of her first book, Career and Family, What an Adventure. She was in the process of writing the book when I interviewed her, and it's now available on Amazon in both English and French. Enjoy the interview. Today, I'm with Dominique Barral, who is an accomplished business and organizational leader with unique experience in consumer understanding and brand building. She's worked on several multi-billion dollar brands and across several continents. Dominique, it's great to be with you today. I'm very happy to be with you, Ruth. Yeah, and we've known each other for nearly 20 years, I would say. Um, and while we've only ever worked together directly for a few months, you were always someone I looked up to as a leader and a, a role model who is smart and business savvy, strategic and pragmatic, but also someone who's always been strongly committed to growing the organization as well as the business. In fact, in the latter part of my corporate career, our paths crossed most, not on the business side, but more on talent management and organizational development. Um, and I remember a time when we were in a training and uh, you told a story about a leadership lesson that you learned while you were heading up the organization in Asia. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I do. I think I was um, uh, sharing one of the exercises we did in Asia and it was all about leadership presence. And the exercise was to give one sentence for each person in the room and the rest of the room had to guess who that person was. And suddenly they showed the sentence, wears red trousers. And everybody said, oh, it's Dominic. And I was so surprised. First, I would have never defined myself that way. <laughs> but more importantly, though I would wear uh, red trousers from time to time, I would never think that people would pay attention to it. So the big learning that I wanted to highlight for people was that when you're a leader, um, the organization pays a lot of attention uh, on what you do, what you say, what you wear, how you behave. And therefore, it is very important to know who you are and to be as consistent as you can all the time with yourself, because then you would be a very consistent leader, which is what people need to be able to follow you and recognize you. So I think that's the lesson you might remember, is it? Yes, I do. I remember it, but I mostly remember the red trousers, and I'm curious whether you still wear red trousers or whether it put you off. Well, I still wear uh, uh, red trousers, though not those exactly, but I still have one. <laughs> and... I love this thing that you want to reflect a bit on the outside, what you're trying to, who you, who you are, yeah. so that people don't recognize you for things you don't want them to recognize you for, yeah. right? How do you go about doing that without becoming too self-conscious? So um, one of the insights I have had is every business ends up being different uh, based on the person who leads that business. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes people say, oh, this business is this way, this company is that way. And you relate it back to the leader and you realize that the leader has a lot of impact mm-hmm. on how it shapes the organization. And therefore, um, we first need to recognize that, that yeah. it's much more personal than what people would think. You know, yeah. some people tend to think that leadership is all about making right decisions, being smart, thinking, getting, etc. No, your presence and who you are is almost more important than anything else. So I call it finding your voice because that's what I've observed. Uh, every one of us, as you were saying, we're very different. And the more you know who you are, the more you can reinforce it, cultivate it, and it, bec- and it comes a natural way of being. So you don't need to be self-conscious. If you think about it in your personal life, you don't ask yourself how you need to behave with your daughter every morning, I'm guessing, and with your husband mm. and with mm. your friends. It just comes to you naturally. It's exactly the same at work. You know, it comes to us ideally naturally. And the more we acknowledge that even in the work context, we need to be as free as we are in our personal life and even more cultivate that because it has a double impact, I think the more important it is. So I'll tell you how I would define my voice and you can tell me whether you can relate mm, to it or not. Okay. Um, I think I've um, ended up my, my, uh, defining my voice as being enthusiastic, mm-hmm. uh, um, connected, close to people, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and I've used humor a lot uh, in order to convey key things. So I'm, I'm the kind of person who would interact with anybody on the floor. I would go across floors. I would be very physically present because I like that. I like to know what's going on in people's life. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, talk to them and, and and having that. And then not taking myself too seriously mm-hmm. because at the end, um, where well, work is only work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly in my field, we didn't save life. So, you know, <laughs> work is only work. Uh, and being approachable that way. Uh, so being close, approachable, and enthusiastic because, um, well, I'm generally an enthusiastic person. I yeah. think uh, I'm, I'm quite optimistic. Yeah, I think you are, and also very authentic. And I remember one occasion talking about not taking yourself too seriously. I was I had a meeting with you, and um, it was when you had to approve some competencies and stuff like that. I needed your input, and you were in a really bad mood, and then you said oh, I know what it is. I'm hungry. I'm just like a baby. I need to eat now. And uh, so we got you something to eat and it all went well. But I love the way that you're able to just articulate what's going on and then just, um, you know, put it out there and put it right, you know. So that's uh, something I really appreciate in you. Um, And so I, you know, I like... um I like to communicate. I like to communicate my my emotions. My daughters will tell you so many times. I say, oh, you know, this is so good. Are we so happy to be together? And they just laugh that I need to say it out loud. Uh, but that's me, right? Uh, um, it's okay. A lot of people are not that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen many leaders being very effective uh, by being uh, soft-spoken, you know, a not speaking much, being the opposite of me almost. Mm, mm. Uh, But it doesn't matter. And I think what really matters is each one of us need to understand what kind of strength do we have, what kind of um, communication style, being Mm. style we have, and then look at what are the positive aspects of that and just 
cultivate it and you know if needed explain it to people if you're in a very different culture uh, but I've realized sometimes people think that to be a leader you need to be very aggressive pushy and assertive mm. I'm sure you know a lot of leaders who don't mm. have that profile so mm. uh, that's a key thing for me the more each one of us we acknowledge we are different by definition, if I wanted to be um, soft-spoken, I don't think I could, right? Mm. So the more we embrace who we are and understand the positive impact it has on others and just cultivate it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I'm just curious if there were any times in your career um, where you struggled to do that or it, it, you were going through a phase where you found it hard to, ex- to, to find your voice or express your voice? Uh, hard, no. Or, uh, in the sense of uh, people not letting me do it. I think once I've realized what was super important to me, then I cultivated it disproportionately. So, um, for example, I like uh, telling stories and going around and telling stories. And um, I don't know, I'm sure you know, you know, Strength Finder, the Now yes. Discovered Your Strength, yeah. which is a tool that I've used. One of my strengths is communicator. And so I had times when I was um, a little bit uh, demotivated at work and I would go back to my strength and say, okay, what is it that I'm not using so much? And then I realized communication. And I say, well, nothing prevents me from giving trainings, being able to talk, uh, illustrate that, uh, inserting myself in projects where we had to communicate to the organization, right. etc. So it wasn't so much that the environment didn't allow me to be who I wanted to be. Even, for example, in Asia, where you could assume the culture is very different, I never felt I couldn't be myself. But sometimes I might not have being myself as much in my activities, the way I would carry myself. And then that's why I would cross-correct. Right. So it's about finding ways that you could use your strengths and express them when they were being underused in that environment. Exactly. And also noticing that there was a problem. You know, the biggest step first is to say, oh, wow, you know, I'm not being myself. Why am I demotivated here? And then actually course correcting yourself. Exactly. And if you're dragging your feet to go to work, then you need to ask yourself, okay, what is it that I'm missing? Yeah. Yeah. uh, That I'm not so energetic. And then I believe that uh, understanding your strength and your talent and putting them to work is what gives you the highest satisfaction. And therefore going back to your profile your strength what you really enjoy doing and finding ways to Mm. exercise that Mm. and it's a win-win right because if you're doing what you're good at you're usually performing well and that's good for the organization and you enjoy it more so it's good for you too exactly exactly so So while we're on the topic of leadership what other leadership lessons would you want to pass on so the first one is the one we've just talked about you know find your find your voice and leverage it the second uh, um, would be doing is more important than being right. So particularly, I've worked at PNG for a long time. We thought that um, for every problem, there is one right answer, and therefore mm. there would be lots of people trying to find the right answer and debating which answer is right or wrong. Mm. Um, if um, business is not as simple, very mm. often things are not just black and white. Uh, right. um, and therefore... 
doing is much more important than just being right. At some point, you need to have some of your basics, right? Obviously. But then uh, acting and doing things and getting being in motion is super important. Mm-hmm. And particularly, I think, from a leadership point of view, um, organization uh, appreciate more leaders who make call and co- and correct if they've made a mistake and is wrong mm. rather than organizations that are in limbo because we don't know where, which direction we're taking. So mm. there are lots of options and lots of direction an organization can take. What really matters is to choose and execute one well. So yeah. And I remember actually uh, early on in my career, I think in my first role, uh, you said to me, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm. Uh, because I think I come to ask your 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 permission, your your approval to do something. We do a lot of that in PNG, right? Like we have to get approval from 15 people before we can move a project forward. And I was kind of really in that mode. And I think it can be quite liberating as a leader to actually give people the space to make mistakes and to come and ask for forgiveness if they get it wrong. Yeah, and it's interesting because I did a speech just a session just before. I left on some of my top learnings and uh, the one thing I told the organization is go and try, try new things and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, obviously don't risk anything stupid but I had a team recently who had a brilliant new idea for products and they were looking for $15,000 to create uh, prototypes and get consumers to start using them. $15,000 in that context was nothing. And they were going in circles and circles and circles trying to find the money. Uh, When at the end of the day, when we close the books uh, at the end of the year, it's not even a rounding error, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So if in the context of where you are, and I'm not assuming everybody should go ahead and spend $15,000 in every context, (laughs) but in that context, you know, that might be the equivalent of 100 francs for someone somewhere, right? Mm. Uh, If you think the risk is reasonable, just take it, go ahead, and then ask uh, uh, for forgiveness. And more importantly, learn, learn and iterate, because the world changes a lot. When I started working, the internet didn't exist, yeah. right? So um, things are going to continue to 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 change, and therefore doing and learning is more important than trying to get uh, all the answers right. Mm-hmm. Um, then the last lesson I would have is choose a few key goals. Uh, both. I think I've learned that again and again from an organization point of view. Organization cannot follow and chase 15 different things. Uh, if they have one goal and then they get freedom for how they get there on a lot of other things, I think it's much easier. And then even on a personal basis, the advice I would give to uh, my people would be each individual Pick one thing you want to learn and develop in the next year for yourself because you think it's important and and you want to stretch yourself, but just pick one thing. Mm. Don't pick 10 and then you never make any change. You don't do any of them. Exactly. So this is a personal question. What are you working on learning right now? So I've uh, actually started to write a book and therefore Great. I take writing lessons. So every wow. every Monday I go to class and uh, in it's a very small group. We have a wonderful uh, coach and uh, we do exercises and I'm learning uh, to write. Right. So what's really the book cool. going to be about? About... 
how to both be successful at your work and your family. Okay, so I'm going to look forward to that. So, and it Lots only talks about the family side. Okay. Actually, yeah, I um, don't talk about work. It's okay. uh, the life side of work-life balance. If you, I'm not a big fan of work-life balance as an expression, but um, mm. the family and personal side, mm. how that has shaped my my choices, my life, and uh, uh, the fact that I work for for my family. Right, and that I think leads into where we're going next um, about how you created your path to where you are today because your family's been a big part of that I know how did you go about managing and planning your career path so that's a great question Um, I've not planned it in the sense that I've never said okay I want to end my career by being a VP Uh, uh, and therefore these are the milestones actually uh, that will get me there however uh, me and my husband uh, early on, we were very clear on some of the key principles of the key things that would be important to us. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always been clear to me that my family will be first. Uh, and I've uh, turned down jobs because, for example, once in the US, because my husband couldn't get a work permit. Uh, I've turned down actually a VP promotion because the school for my daughters in the city where I would have moved wasn't good enough. So um, that whole notion of being clear on what are some of the principles. And one of our principles has always been that we wanted to stretch ourselves. So both of us actually are learners in Strength Finder. Uh, so we like to yeah. learn new things, yeah. do things differently. I've uh, sometimes told the uh, story that I love landing in a new city and not knowing where I'm going to buy my bread and where I'm going to do new things. So as you know, we've moved. We've moved, uh, you know, countries four times. Uh, uh, but that sometimes for my husband's work, sometimes for mine. But that was part of uh, how we've defined success. So family first and then second stretching, learning, and always um, looking at the opportunities either he could have or I could have that would be good professionally and exciting and stretching for us in our work, but also for us as a family. Mm. That's so inspiring. Do you, do you have... How long have you been married, by the way? 30 years. So you've been married 30 years, and yeah. you've, your career about... This, you must have same. got married about the same time. Yeah, so I got married maybe two years after I started to work. Yeah. Okay. And do you have a, a process or a, a practice, let's not talk about it like it's work, but for, um, I'm, I'm talking work, but like aligning where you're going and agreeing your principles as a family so, or as a couple? Um, so I think from the beginning, we've always said that even before we got married, uh, uh, when we met, we always said that we wanted to live in more countries Mm-hmm. than just one. Mm-hmm. My husband is Brazilian, I'm French, we met in Brazil, so already we started mm-hmm. kind of uh, with an international path. But um, we've always wanted to give our daughters and um, ourselves explore the world and be able to work in, in several places. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, it wasn't such a stated concept at the beginning but um, that we would look at the opportunities as 
opportunities for the family as a whole. So I moved to Spain for my husband's job at a time I wasn't really willing, you know, I wasn't really looking for a change uh, because my younger daughter was just born and, uh, you know, I had just come back from maternity leave, solved the childcare issues in Paris mm -hmm. and all of that, and mm -hmm. then came this opportunity for him to move to Spain. But then we look at it overall and we say, well, on the principles that we want to live abroad, Spain is a great place to live and it's a great career opportunity for him, then let's move, even if, you know, my career might mm, take a step back or not. And then the same happened when we moved to Singapore. My husband put his career on hold for us to move. So that's the whole concept of looking at the almost the total family career, mm. kind of the sum of the two. Yeah. Um, rather than just each one of us individually. Mm. A, and that's one of the key principles we had. Mm. But and it that, sounds like it was an ongoing process. Like from the beginning, that was part of the way that you you operated together was to talk about the principles that you wanted to live, your vision for your family and your... And, your... and then, I, and I think then it's they come to life those principles one decision at the time right, right? because yeah. uh, that's really when they matter yeah uh, have you ever had to make any tough choices yeah so one is the one i told you uh, i turned down a job where i would have right. uh, been promoted to vp i think five or six years earlier than what i ended up uh, being just because the school wasn't right for right. our daughters and we say well then we're not going um, eh, so that was tough and I think what was tough is to live by the consequences after because right. obviously my president my manager at the time told me don't worry we'll find an alternative path I have an idea uh, you'll move back to Europe promoted etc and it didn't exactly happen that way yeah. so then I had to remind myself um, in the five years in between when I passed mm. on that opportunity and when I finally got promoted, um, that I had made a choice and I was happy with the choice. Yeah. And even at any of those times, I would make the same decision again. So right. um, that's what I think was tougher. The, mm. um, the choice itself was so obvious to us mm -hmm. when we had to make it. But then it's living with it, like living with the consequences and not kind of keeping on going back to it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And looking at yourself in the mirror and say, well, are you happy that you passed on that opportunity? And you say, yes, well, then there is mm, go on with your life, mm. right? Yeah. We've touched on this a little bit, Dominique, but what personal practices or habits have helped you maintain your performance and your passion over the years? Great question. So um, I'm quite good at um, time management and separating things. So okay. I'm kind of full-on, full-off. So I had, I think, a very good practice of when I'm at work, I'm full-on, very energetic. But then when I leave work, I leave work and I do something else. And throughout my career, I've actually had very few instances when I would work from home and continue, etc. Because I noticed early on that from an energy point of view, it didn't work for me otherwise. So right. if I would work over the weekend, then I was already exhausted by Monday, right? Mm -hmm. I have friends who've managed things very differently. I have friends who would leave at 5 p.m., go take care of their kids, and then go back to work at 9 p.m. when their kids were in bed. That will never work for me. 
Yeah. So one is finding how can you keep your energy, and mm. for me, being full on, full off would work. Um, then we've talked a little bit on more of the principles on dealing with my family and putting that first so I had some uh, principles of not missing uh, birthdays not missing dinners when I was traveling and all of that actually kept my energy for work because I felt um, I had the right balance between the two Mm -hmm. and I've also kept um, uh, time for myself I think that you know typically when you work full-time you travel and you have small kids Uh, and then want to spend time with your spouse going to the movies and doing things the two of you there is not a lot of time left for things for you on your own and I you know kept a little bit of exercising when I was uh, you know younger and then later I've uh, always kept until today and this has been going on for 16 years every year I go for uh, some uh, charity work um, from a group that I created, we've created when I was in Asia, and we go and help uh, build something in a school, and every year we go to somewhere else. So that's something that is really fulfilling for me. Mm. Um, it's a work and not very resting from a travel <laughs> and um, activity point of view, but it's mentally very resting. So that's an example of finding one activity that for you helps you replenish, relax, etc. So Right. That, and I think that's what you demonstrated there again is to talk about well it's very personal. Absolutely. You know, what what works for you might not work for someone else. The most important thing is to find what works for you. Exactly. Because until and to live with the consequences of that, like you may not reply to an email from your boss on the weekend, as long as they're clear on that, it, it's exactly. okay. It's okay putting your boundaries in place. Yeah, I have a funny story to to talk to say about that. Uh, once, so I learn not to reread my emails on the weekend once because I had a very upsetting email on a Sunday, and. There is nothing I could do about it because it was Sunday and I, you know, there was no way I would mm, call my boss to talk about it. It wasn't my boss writing to me. It was somebody who had written to my boss about me. Anyway, uh, about my organization. So I said, well, stupid you. You can't do anything about it and now you've ruined your Sunday. So just learn not to read your emails on the weekend. (laughs) So I have stopped doing it. But then one day one of my other uh, presidents later one day she said to me did you reply to this question and I say that I've sent you and I say uh, no I said no I don't think I did and then she said and why didn't you and then I said oh now I remember you sent it on the Sunday <laughs> and therefore uh, you know it piled up in my email yeah. and I said well yeah you sent it on a Sunday so I wasn't reading my email and then it got lost <laughs> <laughs> she said fair enough <laughs> and she didn't do it again, right? No, and I've got another story on no, exactly on that. One another boss one day told me, Why you have you done this? And I said no. And she said, Why not? And I said, Because nobody's perfect. <laughs> so that is an advice. One if one day if you stuck and you haven't done something, just recognize that nobody's perfect. Acknowledge it. Use your humor, exactly. use your personal style to uh, exactly. to recover. Exactly. 
Well, I think we need to draw it to a close, Dominique, but it's been wonderful talking to you and it's so inspiring to um, hear you talk about the importance of being you and owning your voice and designing your career to work for you and your family, putting your own priorities and to see you here, you know, after 30 years of career with your, you know, two wonderful daughters and your husband and got new projects for the future. Well, so thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing what those are yep. and hearing about your book when we next meet. Exactly. And uh, maybe I can advertise it on one of your podcasts in the future. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, by closing, I would just say, you know, we want it or not, we're all unique. Yeah. And uh, even if we try, we can't be someone else than yeah. who we are. So the more we embrace it, understanding, embrace it and cultivate it, the, the better. So... I wish you also lots of uh, uh, luck with your podcast. This is really cool. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Path to Success with Ruth Kearns-Volman. What I loved about my conversation with Dominique was not only her encouragement to embrace and cultivate your unique strengths as a leader, but the way she demonstrated it through her story. And didn't you just love her examples of managing career and family decision-making? If you want to hear more gems from Dominique, I can thoroughly recommend her book, Career and Family, What an Adventure. It's absolutely brilliant, full of stories, principles and practical advice. And it comes with Dominique's signature warm and light-hearted style. You can get it on Amazon and it's available in English and French. Dominique also mentioned StrengthsFinder 2.0, which is a great book by Tom Rath of the Gallup organization. It comes with an online assessment called Clifton Strengths to help you identify and leverage your strengths. The book is widely available, and you can also find out more about the assessment on the Gallup website, gallup.com. I must say, I use this assessment a lot with my clients, and they find it hugely helpful, so I can thoroughly recommend it. If today's podcast has nudged you into thinking, oh, I'd love to grow more in that area. Maybe you want to cultivate your leadership presence, or you want to get clearer on the values and principles that you want to guide your decision making. I'd love to offer you a 30 minute sample coaching session. You can book online on my website, yourpathtosuccess.ch. And you'll see there that there's a book appointment tab. Thank you once again for listening and until next time, keep showing up and making a difference for those you lead.